And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Matt Watson, and I'm joined by another Matt. Always love that. We got Matt, Matt today. So Matthew Brown is here. He is the CEO, which is the Chief Excitement Officer, which I love that, from Showworks Media. He also hosts a great podcast. He's been doing it for a bunch of years called The Matt Brown Show. We're going to be talking about influence today. Um, influence is, is, is a big deal, especially as a business owner, be it influence of your employees, influence, influence for sales and marketing, all these different kinds of things. So it's going to be a great conversation today. Before we get started, I do remind everybody that today's episode is sponsored by Gusto. If you're a startup, this is for you. Running a business is just plain hard, especially HR stuff. Endless to-do list, employees to take care of, and your ever-present bottom line. So first of all, kudos to you for staying on top of it. I want to tell you about Gusto, though. Gusto built an easier and more affordable way to manage payroll, benefits, and more. They help over 300,000 businesses by taking the pain out of tasks like automated payroll tax filing, direct deposit, health insurance, 401k, blah, blah, blah. You name it, Gusto makes it easy. And they really care about small business owners that they work with. Try a a three-month free subscription now at gusto.com slash startup hustle. Again, that's gusto.com slash startup hustle. Matt, welcome to the Matt and Matt show today. I oh, know, right? Can't, can't, can't go wrong, surely. <laughs> Two Matt's now, are you, are you Matt or Matthew? Uh, only my mother calls me Matthew when I'm in trouble, so stick with Matt. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully I don't have to call you Matthew today then. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, well, welcome to the show. And, um, you know, I guess tell us a little bit about your yourself to get us, get us started here. Sure, bad. So I'm a 14-time startup founder. I've had multiple exits. I've also had a lot of businesses die on me over the years. Uh, so that's been a 25-year kind of journey that I've been on. And then about 10 years ago, I started uh, podcasting. And it was just a really, um, I was really early, especially for Africa. I'm from South Africa and obviously based in the US. But um, I started it and I only was going to do three episodes because uh, I wanted some content for a product I was launching online. And then, you know, fast forward uh, 10 years or so and 800 episodes later, three uh, Amazon bestselling books and an amazing global network. Um, it's really been probably the one of the most transformational tools I've ever used as an entrepreneur. Um, and, uh, and so really what I do now is I work with business leaders, startup founders, uh, entrepreneurs uh, and CEOs to really help them transform themselves from business leaders to business influencers. Um, and so my latest book, uh, Secrets of Influence, was really about sharing my story using influence to create better outcomes for myself as a business owner, uh, but ultimately to leave the world in a better place. Well, and I think that's absolutely true. Like social selling is such a big thing today. And, um, you know, we're all kind of the the face and the brand of our companies, especially if they're smaller companies, right? And 
being a uh, influencer online, whether we want to be one or not, is is really valuable to the company. And you know, even for for full scale for my company, that's my job. It's like being chief brand ambassador, influencer in the world, and uh, it works really, really good for our company as well. And it sounds like that's your expertise is helping people do that. Yeah, and I think it's just from tenure, really. Um, I think oftentimes influence is everywhere, but you only realize that it's influence when you see it. Uh, and so it's quite an interesting thing. So whether you're trying to sell something, or whether you're trying to raise capital, I mean, especially for startup uh, founders looking to raise money, influencing investors, right, is a very powerful thing. So how do you do that? Um, you know, if you want to influence uh, a particular segment of a market or maybe a, a niche that you're trying to, uh, convert or adopt onto your platform is influence. Uh, if you're trying to uh, become a speaker, uh, it's influence. And so all of it is influence at some point. Yeah. Uh, and what I've found is that most business leaders, especially young first-time founders, they have no idea exactly what influence is. In fact, if I ask 10 CEOs, what is influence? In fact, I've got a series now called Seekers of Influence that I'm doing it and I ask this question. And what's really fascinating is I always get different answers, always get different answers. Um, and so what I'm trying to do is lead that conversation because I do believe that when you look back at history and you look at some of the great founders of Elon Musk, et cetera, uh, you know, uh, Nelson Mandela, these uh, individuals, not only were their personal brands, but they were amazing influencers. And influence for me in the business sense is really the future currency of business leadership. Well, and it's changed a lot over the last 5 to 10, 15, 20 years, right? Because of the internet and social media, it's a lot easier to have this sort of platform and engagement and influence than than ever before, right? Like, how did people do this a long time ago? It was like being on TV or radio or other other forms of media. But now it is so different where anybody can have their own kind of micro, you know, audience that they're they're trying to network and influence. Absolutely. Yeah, social media is obviously a powerful tool, right? And I think oftentimes um, it's wielded or used in a way that's ineffective. Um, and so what people start to do is they start spending advertising or money on advertising dollars to reach people, you know. And obviously the underlying economics of these channels are geared for, you know, profit. Uh, but when you're a business leader and a founder and entrepreneur, there are other ways to scale your influence without spending a dollar on advertising. Um, and that's what I've, that's the kind of thing that I'm looking to, to share with the world and make a difference to, because if you can figure out these systems and I call them influence systems, you can create far more impact at a fraction of the cost and at much greater speed. And that's how you survive as a startup founder. That's how you scale faster than the competition. And that's ultimately how you win. So if I, if I'm listening today and I've got my startup, you know, I've, we've got some traction, we're growing, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, man, how do I take advantage of this influence that you're talking about? Where where would they start? What should they do first? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Um, and the answer for me is a media platform. That's where you start. And so what is a media platform? Or a media platform is not uh, a podcast. It's not a YouTube channel. It's an idea that you own and that you evangelize. It's a white space that you then, or a point of view that you then go to market with at scale. Uh, so it's, uh, let me show you a, an example. So when I moved to the States, uh, I lost my network. And so I'm obviously based out in Denver. And so I had the show, right? And so I sent an email out to a thousand startups in California only. 
uh, who had raised a million dollars or more in the preceding 12 months. And I sent them an email going, hey, my name's Matt Brown. I'm the host of a popular business show. I'd love to interview you and give you some free PR exposure. Here's the Calendly link book interview. And I went to bed that night and uh, I woke up the next morning and I, ha I had 190 booked interviews <laughs> off a single email send. And then I was like, fuck, what is this? And I was like, this is actually influence. So then I took that idea, that, that story, that, that approach, and I added it onto something called uh, Connected Reach, which is an automated LinkedIn sequencing technology. And basically what I'm now able to do is automate my influence. I call it the automated influence system, something we enable for startups and stuff like this. But it's a very clever way to transform what has been historically a cold outreach into something that's a warm, mutually beneficial engagement. So it's the same system, but basically what I do is I'm looking to work with mid-market CEOs as an example. So I use that targeting on LinkedIn and I load it up into Connected and then it just connects with these decision makers wherever they are in the world. But my message is the same. I'd like to interview you on my show. So what this allows me to do is generate a sales opportunity. And when I do the interview, I create marketing content and I'm able to grow my network all at the same time in an automated fashion. And what's beautiful about the system, we crunch the numbers on this and we're generating cost per leads of $5 for CEOs uh, of companies doing $10 million in revenue or more. Now, if you were to generate the same lead, right? And by the way, CEOs aren't filling out lead forms online. That cost would be $2,000 or more in the USA per lead. Um, right. And so when you're a startup, like which option makes sense to you? Do you want the automated influence system or do you want to go and do what everybody else is doing, you know, and spending ad dollars trying to convert big decision makers and competing with everybody else doing the same thing? Um, and so that's an example of what I mean by influence. So if I heard you, you're using, uh, then you were using a mixture of a podcast and then reaching out to people uh, DM, DMing them on LinkedIn or other networks and trying to get them to be a guest. Is that, is that the summary of what I heard? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's so simple. But what you're appealing to someone is, the, is their status, right? You're appealing to an emotion. Well, also what you're doing, in fact, is you're creating an emotional trigger. Um, and that emotional trigger is reciprocity. So for instance, uh, you know, we're having a chat. And now as a consequence of this, like I would love to help you do something. Do you see what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. And so when you're interviewing a CEO, um, you know, at the end of the 20 minute interview, whatever the case is, or half an hour interview, you can say to them, hey, man, I love talking to you about X. You know, I'd love to get 30 minutes with you to talk about Y. You know what I'm saying? And every single time I get a yes. And that's what I mean by uh, reciprocity. You're creating an emotional trigger of reciprocity that allows you to influence a conversation post that, uh, post that show. And this is just one example of that. You know, you can start to scale this whole system um, and really start to do things at scale in a way that's really, really novel and unique. Well, and we've had a lot of success doing this exact same strategy with our podcast, with this podcast um, and full scale my business um, for the last six years, we've been doing this exact same thing. Like, um, we would do like the top startups of Kansas city and we reach out to all these startup founders and say, Hey, do you want to be on the show? And a lot of them are potential customers. Mm -hmm. And, um, the strategy has worked super, super well for us. Um, so I love this strategy around the podcast. Do you have any other kind of similar strategies that are kind of, kind of fun to share? Yeah. So the idea is, um, is that you want to exponentially increase your influence. So 
in other words, another way to simply say this is if you spend one minute of your time doing an interview, you want to get 10 times that uh, effort back through influence systems. So as an example, I ran this series recently called Secrets of Fail uh, on my show, and it was all about uh, uncovering the realities of entrepreneurship and having the conversations with entrepreneurs who had, you know, built these massive companies. In fact, um, the, the aggregate company revenues were over $10 billion. So that's kind of the, the size of the companies that I was talking to and the CEO is running them. Um, and so what I wanted to do was really paint a counter narrative in the business world. I wanted to influence the business world. I wanted to shift the perception in the business world that everybody is successful. Because if you go to LinkedIn, what do you see? Everyone's winning awards won, you know, mergers and acquisitions, uh, blah, blah, blah. But behind that whole facade is lots and lots of suffering, lots and lots of failure. And so what I did was same system, interview these guys, they came on the show. Um, many of these guys became my clients, but also what I started to do was design the interview in such a way that it was formulaic. So for instance, I would only, I would ask the same five questions. So what's your elevator pitch? What's your story of fail? What did you learn from it? If you could go back in time and do something differently, what would you do differently and why? What's your advice to other CEOs, founders, and entrepreneurs in terms of the importance of failure? And so then what I was able to do was to take that body of work, that content, and then use artificial generative intelligence to create a book. And we created a manuscript, uh, I think it was in less than 24 hours, a 52,000 word manuscript. And then we launched the book within 10 days. Then that book became a bestseller, and now I'm speaking of that book. So that's what I mean. So I interviewed these guys. We did about 150 interviews. We picked the best stories. But now I'm speaking. Now I have clients. And now I'm, I'm using my influence to leave the business world in a better place. And so that's an example of scaling one's influence with a, or getting a 10x return off a, you know, a one-time investment. Well, and scaling it is hard, right? As that's part of my challenge. Like I, I have 30,000 followers on LinkedIn. I post on LinkedIn every day. I do the podcast, all these things, but it's hard to scale it. It's me, <laughs> right? That, that is the hard part is like, I can't respond to every message on LinkedIn. I can't message every person on LinkedIn. I can't do all of these things. And this part of, I think that's part of the challenge. A lot of other founders have, they're like, I already have a day job. I don't have time to also be a social media influencer. So what are, what are your what are your thoughts there on on people like me that have the struggle? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you have to choose. You know, it's either it's opportunity cost for me, and I guess the 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 trick is to figure out what to choose, what to invest your time into. Um, and so, what I believe is well, what I can tell you absolutely for a fact is that this system works beautifully well for me. So as a startup owner, as an example, this system allows me to actually protect my time, but massively ramp up my influence. And in fact, there was this amazing study by Michael E. Porter from the Harvest Business Review, and he tracked CEOs of billion-dollar companies for three months. And one of the overwhelming findings was that when a CEO, him or her, feels like they don't have enough time, they actually start to become ineffective in all areas. And so when you think about the requirement to deliver influence, you have to do it with a system that protects your time. So you need a strategy. You need a, Obviously, that strategy drives everything, really. Uh, but once you have that influence strategy in place, then it's about adding components to your system over time. It's not about biting off everything in one go. That would be stupid, right? And in fact, most right. startups, you know, they starve from indigestion because they're saying yes to everything. 
when what I know to be true is that, especially in the context of influence, you define yourself not by what you say yes to you, but by what you say no to you. So as a startup founder, it's about, well, what am I going to say no to for the next three months? Well, I'm going to say no to the book. Why is that? Well, because you haven't even started yet. <laughs> you have to start somewhere. And, I, and the real thing for me is you must start. You have to start on this journey because if you don't, someone else will and you'll lose. I love that. So I, before we started recording, you were talking about your book and you had the, uh, I think you called it the 3H framework. And I was curious if you could tell us a little more about that. For sure. So the H3 framework uh, stands for three H's as hero, hub, and hygiene. So why do you need hero content? Well, hero content is true thought leadership content. Oftentimes, one of my clients, in fact, said to me, you know, we're helping them with, the, with their show and that. And she's, I said to them, why are you doing a podcast? And she said, no, because we want to be seen as thought leaders. And I was like, no, that's not how you be seen as a thought leader. So as an example, um, if you're interviewing me, I'm the expert. And equally, any podcast host that's interviewing anybody else, if you're the host, you're not the expert because you're the one doing the interviewing. Your guest is the expert. So that's hub content. So what you need is hero at the top. So if you imagine a pyramid, you have hero content at the top, then you have hub, and then you have hygiene. So hero content is true thought leadership. It's about non-obvious original thinking that you evangelize through different media. What people seem to do today, though, especially with GPT, is they go to GPT and they go, write me a thought leadership article about product-led growth. And then it goes, here's seven, and this is the rubbish that you see on Twitter and LinkedIn. It's like, here's seven steps to do X. You know what I mean? That's not thought leadership. The reason is, is because GPT has been trained on all thinking that already exists. So right. if, you're going to be, if you're going to be a thought leader, what do you have to do? Are you going to regurgitate thinking that already exists? Or are you going to be seen as an original thought leader? And so you have to have a strategy that drives the hero content. But then you have to talk and use things uh, like evidence, data, not opinions. So many people have opinions, but they're like assholes. Everybody has one. So if you want to move markets, if you want to shift perceptions, inspire actions, and drive decision-making at scale, you have to do true thought leadership. And in my book, Secrets of Influence, I share frameworks for doing this. Um, so once you've got hero content, then you do hub. So hub's a fantastic way to open up relationships, facilitate the conversation around the problem that you care about or the contribution that you're trying to make to society. And then the final H is three, is H3, it's hygiene. It's then that's all about taking your hero content, your hub content, and recycling that up into short format content and then distributing that on relevant digital channels not on all channels, you don't have to be on every single digital channel out there, but on relevant ones. And then using social advertising to promote that entire body of work to a particular outcome that you're trying to achieve. And that's what I call an influence system. And so over time, and again, you know, over time, it's not, you don't, you know, it takes 15 years to become an overnight success. So you have, to, you have to keep doing this thing consistently. You have to start, then you have to be consistent. And then when you look back over a period of a year, you've written three best-selling books, you're speaking on stages, you're getting incredible leads, you're seen as the true evangelist of the customer problem that you solve. Like that for me is the game. That's the entire game. I love it. Uh, you know, I, I post on LinkedIn almost, almost every day and I've been doing it for about a year straight. And I've gained 15,000 followers on LinkedIn. And I think the, the key to that is the thought leadership. A lot of times I post like unique takes, unique, um, 
you know, from my experience, all that kind of stuff. And I think I've, I've had a lot of success with it and, you know, we've gotten, you know, a lot of customers from my business and, and different things like that be, because of doing it. And, um, I can definitely attest, test it working, but to your point, you got to have some unique viewpoints, like using chat GPT to get, you know, just spiel out like just random junk does not work. It's got to be a unique point of view and unique thought leadership. And, is that something you think everybody can do and everybody can can write on, or is that something that they have to really kind of train and exercise that muscle for? Uh, anyone can do it, but you do need support. You know what I mean? With someone that can help you, because I use this analogy <laughs> a lot, and it goes like this: When you're a startup founder or just a business owner, in many cases you're stuck inside the bottle of your own business, and you yeah. can't you can't read the label. And so that's when people get stuck. That's when they choose not to execute. And that's the number one game in any kind of business, really. Um, and so what really where we, what we, the contribution that we make is we help business leaders read the label of their own bottle. And then we draw out from that a strategy, a thought leadership platform that we then execute over time to help these guys really impact their markets. But anybody can do it. Um, but you need to have someone that can really help you ideally. You know? But there's many ways to climb a mountain. Um, it's just, if you think about the time and the, and the cost expense to create content, you don't want to be in a situation where you're creating content that no one cares about, you know? And so I'll give you another example about this. So, um, I was off social media for a whole year. So when you were growing and by an additional 15,000 followers on LinkedIn, I wasn't even active at all. Um, and then what my team and I did, we launched a 300 digital assets to launch secrets of fail. And my organic reach just exploded. And literally within 10 days, I was booked on seven different podcasts. So, and this just goes to show like the impact that content can have, especially in the context of influence and how people perceive you. Because your content is what people see, but then it's also about how they perceive you. And perception is always reality. Absolutely. I have a great story to add to that. But first... It's sponsor time. Instead of reading a script about Gusto's payroll and benefits, we wanted to tell you what small business owners are actually saying, the people who use Gusto every day. Amy from Utah says, I love Gusto so much. They do our medical, dental, vision, and life insurance. It's so painless. It's like going to the spa. And we have great options and rates, even though we're a super small team. Health insurance, like going to the spa, wow. And here's what Amnet says about Gusto's support team. Whenever something comes up, I reach out, and literally 24 hours later, they tell us what to do or assure us that they've already handled it for us. Smart technology and friendly humans. That's super cool. Honestly, the list goes on and on, and right now, our listeners can get three months free when they go to gusto.com slash startup hustle. That's right, three months free. Payroll, benefits, admin, and more at gusto.com slash startup hustle or click the link in the show notes. So I was meeting with my friend Ryan yesterday and she had a similar kind of story. She, every time I log into Facebook, I see Ryan. It doesn't matter what time of day. It doesn't matter what day I see Ryan. She posts so much stuff on, on Facebook every single day. It's hard to get away from her influence right? And so people see her all the time. And I have people who, who tell, tell me the same thing about my content. They're like, Matt, every time I log into LinkedIn, I don't know what you're doing, but I see you. Like I have a wall of my feed is Matt Watson, Matt, 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 Matt. I'm like, 
whatever I'm doing, it's working. But Ryan told me the story of like people reach out to her and just assume she's some sort of expert because you're like, I just see everything you post. And then they just see her like as as being an expert at things. Maybe she's not even an expert at, but because they the, the influence that she has built on social media has just changed everybody's perspective of her. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's, it's it's the algorithms, right? So once someone hits play on one of your thought leadership videos, the algorithms are going to serve up to that person more of your content, right? It's, yeah. It's how it works. So if you can figure out how to create great value-added content that's original, non-obvious, um, and that it really helps, you know, um, uh, the persons or markets that you're trying to reach, then those algorithms are really going to work in your favor. And to your point, Matt, that's exactly what happens. People go, ah. You must be the experts in X. And what's hard is you never know kind of what's going to go viral, right? And that's why I guess why you call it going viral. And I had a LinkedIn post this year that got over a million views on LinkedIn. And I think you would agree with me for LinkedIn, that's like pretty crazy viral, like a million. I mean, TikTok, it would be like 10 million or something like that. But for LinkedIn, that was crazy viral. And in the like the 48, hour, 48 hours after that, I got like 2000 new followers and like all these people reshared it, all this stuff. And, but all the things that I think are super important, nobody cares about, <laughs> right? Like that, that's the struggle of it. I'd, I'd love to hear what, what is your opinion about the battle of that and, and the type of content and content planning and, and topics and. Yeah. So in my book, I share something called the counter narrative framework. Um, and it's a, effectively a framework that allows uh, aspiring thought leader and influencer to use to really understand how to put content out there that's going to shift a perception, paint a counter narrative, but then also position you as an expert. So it all starts with, well, what's the current conversation around your category? So for instance, if you are a podcaster for business or startups, like what's the conversation around that? Um, and then using social media and other types of data sources to really understand, well, what is the narrative? Then once you understand the narrative, then it's about insight development. So if you want to then shift the or create a story that's going to shift the market, then you need to have a concrete insight. Or, and in some cases, in fact, Matt, you need more than one insight. Usually it's data-led. And so this is what I was touched on earlier around opinions. Many people are thinking thought leadership is just about sharing your opinion on something. It's like, no, you have to have evidence. And so once you have that insight and that evidence, then you create content specifically around addressing specific uh, perceptions. So for instance, if, uh, you know, as an example in startups, so most startups, 50% don't survive past four years. If that's the narrative, okay, how do you shift that? Well, you need evidence. You need a data point, something from a personal experience or from another reference points or like Gartner, whatever the case is, that you then frame into your value, your story. So the idea is you start dictating your value and framing your scarcity. And that's very important. So then it's just about consistent religious execution on that. And then putting it into channels that are relevant and putting it in front of eyeballs that you're trying to influence. Well, and I don't know if you mean exactly the same thing when you say counter narrative framework, but I feel like the best type of content that works is uh, agitative content. Like that's the type of content that always gets the most engagement for me. Yeah, it's having a different point of view, right? Because um, most people 
are regurgitating point of views that they've seen other people yeah. you know, share. Um, and so to your point, I love that. I, I use this analogy of, of itch and scratch, right? So right. If, if you can create an itch in someone, then you are the only scratch. Yeah, and there's a really common writing framework that's problem, agitation, solution. Like that, that's like a really common uh, writing framework, like ad framework. And I definitely believe that that works really, really well on on LinkedIn and, and other platforms because people people will come out of the woodwork to argue one side or the other of the point. And and the challenge, I think, to what you alluded earlier is you kind of have to figure out like if, if you're gonna like throw the bomb in there. <laughs> And start like a, 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 you know, a bunch of of chaos. You have to figure out like your viewpoint has to like not be totally crazy, but then has to be backed up by evidence, right? Like, and it's even better if you have like the solution, right? If your company is somehow the solution to this thing you just agitated, mm -hmm. that's like the win, 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 home run, like perfect content. But yeah. But can be really hard to thread that needle sometimes, and you you can't create that every day. You can't create a brand new piece of content like that every day. It's hard to do. No, um, and who knows how people are going to respond, you know. Um, so I think the thing for me, though, if you think about story and these frameworks, counter narrative, uh, what we use for book creation, so we you know help guys to, or CEOs to become best selling authors, um, and you know we'd use something called the P three framework. So that's problem. What's the problem you solve? Looking at the different angles to that problem, creating a whole bunch of contents around that. Then product. So how does your product then solve the problem you've just told the customer that they have? And then proof. So where have you solved this before, right? And I think this right. is another thing about evidence. No one's going to sell you better than your customer. I mean, in fact, when we put um, Simon Taylor's book, one of my clients, the CEO of Haiku, they do around $50 million a year for SaaS. Um, and uh, when we put his content based on that framework, and the book in the into the market, and they had the Boston Red Sox, uh, Bain Capital, all proof content, right? And then we were able to shift, just to give you an example, you spoke about viral. Their Haiku's global share of voice was 2% when, before we launched the campaign, the book and all the content. There was over 200 assets. Um, their share of voice went to 11% globally within seven days. And that, wow. by the way, isn't a stat that we came up with the actual client fed that to us, <laughs> you know, and so there's many ways to kill a cat. But if you recognize for a moment that communication is what builds trust and communication is oftentimes packaged up into a story of some kind. And so your point around, you know, problem, agitation, uh, product, whatever the case might be, there has to be a structure to what you're saying. There's a beginning and a middle and an end. And, right. so we're, and we're so hardwired for stories, you know, um, and so it doesn't matter what framework you use necessarily, but use something, you know, and be consistent, find something that works for you. Because if you're getting a million uh, views, right, then keep doing that. That's amazing earned media. Well, I think you highlight the key point here is storytelling is a big part of the job. And people love stories. People love to read stories. And one of the other uh, top posts I've ever done on LinkedIn was about how a former CTO destroyed this startup because of the decisions that the CTO made. Like people read that and they, they, you know, they see the first couple sentences and they're intrigued and they want to read more. Right. And if you do a really good job of telling a story, people, people love those stories. Um, do you, do you have any tips about how to come up with those stories though? Cause I feel like 
part of our problem is we all have a little bit of imposter syndrome, right? Like we don't really value all the things that we've done. Like I've been doing this for 20 years and it's easy for me to like not see value in my experience and my stories from the last 20 years. Cause like nobody cares about what I've done. Nobody, right. We're always so focused on the things we can't do and the things we need to improve on that we, you know, we overlook all the value and all the, all the things that we do know. And, you know, as you work with other influencers, do you feel like that's what you have to pull out of them is like, Hey, no, you have done all these amazing things. You, you know, maybe you forgot about them. Maybe you don't see a lot of volume, but, but people want to hear your stories, right? Like there are people that are not at your level that will get a lot of value out of your stories. How do we extract those stories out of you? Yeah, it's a really good question. So it's not, people don't um, need to know necessarily what to say. They need to know more how to say it. Um, and so, you know, when I meet with a CEO for argument's sake, I mean, many of these guys are, have been, you know, doing real estate investing for argument's sake for 40 years or 30 years or whatever the case is. And to your point, if you've done anything for 10 years, like I've done the Map Round show for 10 years, you, you have by experience, your QBE, as I like to call it, you're qualified by experience. And so the, the, all these experiences, right, they form something called knowledge capital. And, you know, when I meet with the CEO, like a real estate investor, you might say, you know, Matt, I've got four books in me. I just don't have time for one. And so really it's about figuring out how to express your value in a way that's going to resonate. But also I just find like most people are, they have fear of judgment. And even I do, as a matter of fact, you know, I don't care what I say on my podcast, like at all. But let me tell you, if I put a thought leadership video out on LinkedIn, I'm like petrified I'm going to get judged to death. It's a funny thing, right? If you change the context, like I don't understand it. Um, and so people just need help. They need nurturing and support to basically go out there and become uh, an influencer in their space. So it's less about, you know, the fact that they don't know what to say. It's like, well, how do I actually express my value in a way that's really going to increase my reputation, increase my credibility, ultimately, you know, massively scale my trust. And that's really what influence is. You definitely have to have a thick skin. And de depending on the, the platform you're posting on, it's totally different. Like if you post on LinkedIn, most people are pretty professional and their comments are pretty professional. But like that video you described, you post that same video on TikTok and you're going to get all sorts of like BS responses and jerks and all kinds of stuff. Same thing with like Reddit, Hacker News, like you get varying different levels of like the type of comments that will come come back to you. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And it's something you just have to accept. I mean, yeah, I like to reframe this all though, because I actually... Uh, <laughs> We were producing so much content over the years, and I remember one particular case where I was taking shit on social media for stuff that I didn't even publish myself. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, and I think it's actually a metric of success. Are you getting trolled on social media? Because then you're actually getting attention for something, right? It's hopefully something uh, newsworthy and positive. Um, but it was weird because my team were doing it all, and then, you know, it was like, oh, I'm at this, blah, blah. But you just have to, do, you just have to go with it. You mean, um, and kind of get over yourself. Like people, you know, they, like they all have opinions and not everybody's going to agree with you. Like you were mentioning the agitation piece and that's yeah. okay. That's okay, right? Uh, but I mean, not everyone's going to agree with everything I've said on this podcast, but I don't give a fuck. 
I care about the one person who does. And it's another thing with, uh, you know, podcast downloads. People are so romanced with how many downloads you get. But it's more around, well, of the 10,000 downloads you got, the one download absolutely that made the difference. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean like anything else in life, right? If you're if you're creating ketchup or something, if you create the most bland version of it, they're like, okay, everybody kind of likes it, but nobody loves it. Versus like you have like very strong opinions. Not everybody's gonna like them, but there's a certain amount of people that are gonna love your opinion. They're really going to align with your viewpoints. Like those become your your fans and 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 the people that will engage with your content, agree with you and and be your customers, right? Where if you just try and pacify everyone in a very vanilla way, you're never going to have that like unique, you know, perspective and viewpoint that people are going to rally behind either, I don't think. Yeah, people love to talk about change, don't they? Uh, but not many people do like change because if we did all like change, we'd all have six packs. Uh, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and so when you're leading, when you're influencing, you really, I mean, a lot of my clients, they're not, you know, looking to compete. They're looking to take over. They want to take an industry from A to B. And that's what I love about startup founders, especially because they're visionaries, right? Um, those 190 startup founders that I interviewed, it's like, holy shit, these guys are really changing the world, right? And so when you're changing the world, when you're disrupting markets, displacing incumbents, you're going to be unpopular, right? You have to be. Do you think yeah. I mean, Elon Musk is another one? Look how unpopular he is in many cases, you know? Um, it's just part of the game. Absolutely. Well, once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Gusto. If you're looking for an all-in-one HR platform, it's time to check out Gusto. You have an automated payroll tax filing, direct deposit, health insurance, administration, 401k, onboarding, all the other junk that none of us want to deal with. They make it easy to do. We'll give you three months free when you go to gusto.com slash startup hustle. Again, that's gusto.com slash startup hustle. Um, you can check the, the link in the show notes. All right, we'll go check out Gusto so you can save some time on HR, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, HR is my best thing. It's probably the best, it, most important time I spend in my day. <laughs> no, none of us want to spend a single minute on it. So, um, <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, you have your own podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Uh, yeah, it's called The Matt Brown Show. Uh, you can find it wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Um, so yeah, basically I do these series tackling specific topics that I think are important for the world of business leaders to, to really get to grasp with. One of those things is obviously influence. So as we round out the show today, I'm curious if you have any final tips or words of wisdom for other entrepreneurs out there. Well, when you persevere, success can happen at any moment. Um, and I think most startups don't die, founders quit uh, when it gets tough. And I've been that guy. And I wish if I could go back in time that I persevered more than I uh, did at the time because I know I would have built more successful businesses and made a bigger contribution to the world. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Again, this is Matt Brown. Um, you can check him out at mattbrownshow.com. You can look up his podcast. Find him in a bunch of places, I'm sure. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Matty. Appreciate you, bud. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Cause, 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 cause,